0: I want to welcome everybody to another episode of The Railroad. Uh I have the chance to bring in a guest with me. Um I have the the honor and privilege uh to have Leslie come in, do some talking. Um I think she's important again to kind of bring in for this topic specifically because we have similar backgrounds in the way that we grew up. Um she's very cultured. Uh I think you'll enjoy her. Uh Leslie, how are you today?
1: I'm doing well. Hello, world. Hello, well. Thank you for having me.
0: So uh, what I wanted to discuss today, um, and I'll just jump right into it. Uh, I feel like as black people, we are always searching and asking for um, what I consider to be diversity in the way that people think, in the way they include us. We want to be a part of all discussions. But I feel like a lot of times we aren't we don't hold the same standard with ourselves where we're very monolithic. Um, I kind of wanted to jumpstart this by, you know, just bring it to the forefront uh, for, for me. One of the bigger problems I had growing up was that instead of being, uh, I guess, said that I speak normally or I speak well, uh, the term was you talk white. Why do we put each other down that way?
1: Well, first of all, I think that understanding uh, was delivered to us a long time ago in the understanding that is that white is proper, white is right. White is better. Um, it's not just in the way we speak, but the way we dress, the way we comb our hair, um, the neighborhoods we live in, um, our choices in foods. Um, white has been presented to be the appropriate measure to live by. And unfortunately, anytime um, a member of our community, our community meaning the black community, does something other than what we've deemed to be cultural to us, to our identity, it's sometimes compared to the only other uh, quote unquote. Uh, appropriate race <laughs> i guess the race that's re- that's you know reflecting the what's what's considered the the high or correct measure of the way life should be uh, we we're compared and we would be told that you're acting according to that race um i um i don't i don't know why um when this began or why that is. But it's unfortunate, and I just think that a re education needs to take place to our community and understanding that where we really come from is rich. We have a rich past, we have an educated past, we come from scholars, we come from uh, things that they would or we would consider to be white. Um, The whites have actually all borrowed from us and have stolen from us and have made it um theirs.
0: So cultural appropriation we can all agree happens in all kind of facets of life, right? Mm-hmm. Uh but we tend not to look if I'm being just fair, we tend not to look at people from the other side and say like, oh, well, you know, a white guys being white. Maybe we look at the white guys being corny or something. Um, but ultimately speaking, I want to know why there seems to be such a stigma with or, you know, people specifically who are African-American who are just trying to better themselves. Like, let's say, for instance, I don't know, you go to a certain school uh, based on the kind of people that you date, how you kind of dress. Maybe now people look at you as a sellout or the other term, people look at you as an Uncle Tom. I've never been that person to look at people that way, but I've certainly gotten some of those looks where people are thinking that. I'm trying to appropriate white culture when I'm just trying to be the best self, like the best version of myself that I can be. Mm-hmm. Um, we even see this uh, as a black man. Let's say I, for instance, I'm successful. I make a bunch of money. My wife happens to be white. Not saying that you look at people differently because of that but Just from your opinion, what then happens? How, do, how does black society look at me?
1: right i mean it's it's we have a painful past and we can't ignore that we were uh we were and some would argue that we still are being uh robbed raped and you know uh, of of who we are by by white america and um it it is the truth how some people view it you know you dating outside of your race um some may find it offensive some are holding on to the pain and I'm not saying it as if I'm not holding on or I've let go I'm not going to state either way what direction I'm in but we're, we hold on to pain we remember how we got here how we were uh, brought here un, um, unwillingly and it's it, it brings us back there when we see someone a, a, an African American male with a white woman and it's like uh, you know I'm a black woman I get, I get that um, I react that way at first it's like oh, you didn't give us a chance you know because I consider myself a good black woman but I also am open to you you like who you like and you love who you love and it's a person and if that's who you connected with that doesn't mean you've excluded the black uh, women race um, obviously you're a black man you came out of a black mother so you know that there is a a good black woman who right. made you So, Um, so you know, um, it is the truth. We're going to do that to each other. We are going to judge. And I don't think that's ever going to go away. But I do think it's somewhat becoming, it's definitely become more acceptable uh, in the world that we live in in 2017 with not just race, but, you know, gender and, um, you know, uh, the different.
0: So I'll spin that around the other side. Uh, You have somebody like Serena Williams Mm -hmm. who uh, recently... um, Got engaged to a gentleman who happens to be white. Okay. Uh, We know her past is dating a bunch of black guys. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, I think I saw it on some random site somewhere that somebody posted in one of our group chats uh, that she was unhappy or the stigma was that black men didn't treat her well. So she tried to go a different route to find somebody that treated her, Mm -hmm. you know, appropriately, I'll say. Right. Have you heard that kind of um, stigma or stereotype before either?
1: Absolutely. I've heard it and I've um, experienced it myself. And it's her experience. It's her life. She went through it. She knows who she dated. And if she felt like she's tried her hand enough and it's time for her to explore another race... Well, good for her,
0: so I can't let you go without was saying with when you said that you experienced it, yes. uh tell me a little bit about that, and not sure. you know what I'm saying I don't need names not like places or anything but.
1: the the feeling of tiredness of my black men, okay, this may be another real world show, <laughs> <laughs> but I have experienced it, and I said, you know what? I am thirty nine years old, everybody, okay? I have been living in the d c area for twenty one years. I came here in ninety six from Brooklyn. And why am I not married? So not, you know, not not to go into my faith. I know why. The answer is because God hasn't sent me that, you know, that time yet. But I have dated every type of black man you can claim, okay? I'm Haitian descent, so I've dated my own. I've dated black American. I've dated African. I've dated West Indian. I've dated European blacks. I've dated... Uh, West Coast blacks East Coast blacks Down South brother blacks So you gave all the brothers a chance Every black type of, Every type of black man um, Then I've tried The black mixed men <laughs> Okay blacks You know Half white half black Half German half black Puerto Rican and black Dominican and black Panamanian and black You know which are all black to me At the end of the day Because we know the one drop rule But So if you say that right I am So I've, I understand When Serena would make a statement Like well I've tried And so here's where I am And then boom She finds happiness mm, she she has a life going So
0: here's the, only, her. the, here's the only reason that I would push back. Mm-hmm. Is that a sign of it being like the black man or just, I don't want to say it's dumb luck with it just not being the right man. Because let's it say be for instance, you know what I'm both. saying? Like uh, if you're white and you don't date anybody else, but other than white guys and all of the white guys have been wrong up until now, it only takes one to be right. right. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like a lot of times like, Men get a bad stereotype based on like other people that happened before us. Now certainly I've I'm sure I've done my share of like crazy stuff. Um I'm sure somebody would love to burn my house down or <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you know, pop my tires, and then there are people that love me to death. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, you know, like I'm the guy the guy that saved them from thinking that same way. Mm-hmm. But I feel like a lot of times uh just in terms of like dating mm-hmm. with uh with women, we get very stuck on like black men you know, for lack of a term, better term, ain't shit. Mm-hmm. And that's what well, I always want to run people away. I
1: say that. So my frustration has just been from my experience of not, um, not having a successful <laughs> relationship. But I would never say um, that there aren't any left out there that are good. Um, my choice is to be with a black man and that is my choice and that's my preference. I actually used to get offended if I was even approached by anyone, any man other than (laughs) black, Because I do hold on to my history as well and I understand how we got here And I would be like, no, you don't have a right to me. My (laughs) black man is the only one that could approach me, ask me for my number, tell me I look beautiful. I only smile for him. I only want him to to look at me. I don't want you looking at me. So I actually wrote a poem about it. But, um, you know, we remember Emmett Till who got what, dragged to his death, beat right. to a bloody pole for just whistling, so for even flirting at a white woman, supposedly. Yeah, and that didn't happen. And that, exactly, yeah. and it didn't happen, but just to even think that we would be crucified for even looking at another race that I, 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 I didn't want to date outside, and I still don't, but so, I am open more now to others.
0: <laughs> I think that's a good reason or a good way to segue into something that's a little bit off topic, but you could give me some background on it from just something that I don't know um recently uh the Shea Moisturizer controversy over their commercials kind of popped up I kind of talked about this on my last podcast when I was ranting like oh oh my god (laughs) but here's the the reality there's a reason that black women feel some kind of way about the way that those images you know kind of were portrayed right everybody wants to say like you know what this is mine this is made for me there's a lot of that that tends to happen um how do you feel about that?
1: I feel the pain and I feel the same frustration. So this Shea moisturizer, first of all, the the um, mineral, I'm not sure if that's correct term for it, but Shea itself, the cream, the natural product is something that is for women who have pigment in their skin. It is for our, uh, for, for hair texture that is of of a kind of woman Because it was a librarian got it right. owns the company Right, yeah. I say it's a kind of woman That has a certain type of hair texture Now I do know Caucasian women With very coarse hair Very thick hair Thicker than mine um, And so it's possible That this product could help them But I, I understand The frustration of our black women And just our our race in general We have something that's ours It's made for us, it really does only work for us and why is it that we have to be um forthcoming and allow other races to to come and be involved in this you know in this product why? Why does it have to be whitewashed? Which is, I believe, which was the opinion or the, the right. The yeah, talk like going the Black on. Twitter it's like, opinion was like okay, they whitewashing first it. it starts off, it's for Black people, it's for Black people, and then all of a sudden they sprinkle a little snowflake in. It's like, oh no, now we have white people using the product now. But it was ours, you know. It's like um, let's use something that's stereotypical to just be to give an extreme example, just to make a point. Where um, what's a, what's a what's a stereotype, right, for us that. The white people always use uh, what we eat or what what how we talk, and it's our thing, right? So, say we're advertising. I don't what is know. it like? And uh, I don't
0: agree with this, but like fried chicken and watermelon, like and that kind of thing. Chicken, like black people right, like okay. that, okay?
1: And then all of a sudden, you see, you know, a white person, you know, advertising for this product, and it's like, dang, that's ours. I was like, can we have something that's just ours? Because they have everything else, and everything else is theirs.
0: The only thing that I would say against that
1: mm-hmm.
0: um so if the the guy or the the ownership group behind it mm-hmm. if their their purpose of their commercial was to expand their base not because they're trying to leave black women alone or they want them to be marginalized but because they're trying to make more money
1: they have to be inclusive
0: right, and that's the only time like where I'm like
1: <sighs> I understand. so as I read
0: more into it, I kind of got why black women were mad if I'm real. But then I thought about the guy on the other side where it's like, we live in a society of capitalism. It's you either, you know, there's no such thing as just being the same. Being the same is just not acceptable. Like you could make $10 million in sales every year. And while we might think that's great, the masses look at you as having a failing business. And the only way that you can get, you know, more sales is if you include more people.
1: Absolutely. Okay, so now I'm going to put on my MBA hat, okay? From the lens Give it to me. from the lens of a business owner, okay? Marketing 101, okay? Dollars 101. You want to expand your market. You want to cast the net wide. You want to have everybody's money at the end of the day because money's going to be green whether it comes from your pocket or Bill's pocket or Sue's pocket or, you know, Imani's pocket, it doesn't matter. It's going to be the same color, and that's for my pockets. That's the purpose of me putting out this product is to not only help a generation of people have better skin and hair texture, but it's also to be wealthy. Right. OK, let's get let's be real with that. Right now from the so from the lens of a business um, entrepreneur and a business person, that's a great strategy. And that's something that you have to do. You don't want to exclude because you can risk the opportunity of earning Income that's an opportunity, sorry, and a risk can be an upside or a downside. And and the upside of it to include more races, you get more money, more revenue. If you exclude the probability of you having that same amount of revenue goes down. Right. So what is your risk appetite going to be? I'm gonna make it wider, I'm willing to go as far as upsetting the black community and including some whites, some Asians maybe, some Latina just so I can see how far I can go. And this business owner of the, the L'Oreal product, he decided I'm going to go that far. That's what my risk appetite is going to be. It's like that that speed limit. You're driving in your car. You know the speed limit is 65. But what's your risk appetite going to be? How far are you willing to push that needle on your car before you know you'll get pulled over? I'm willing to go 80 on the highway, even though I know it's 65. That's the risk I'm willing to take. And so he took a risk. And he knew he was going to get backlash. They know this beforehand. They do their research. They have their stat team on deck. They know what's going to happen. Now, as a consumer, okay, of a product, so now I'm going to put on that hat. um, If you're trying to sell something to me, to someone who looks like me, then it has to be attractive to me. If I turn on the commercial or YouTube or whatever, and the first thing I see is a white woman and only white people uh, talking about shea butter or shea, the shea uh, moisturizer, I'm not going to be apt to go into the store and buy this product because they don't look like me. But then if I wait 30 seconds or maybe 15 seconds in or 13 seconds in, and then I see someone who looks like me and others, then I'll be like, okay, well, it's for everybody. You've sold me, but I'm only speaking for myself. Some people tend who are consumers just want to see that it's only for them, and that's it. So that's how you you know I I have you know not to plug my book, but I have a children's book out <laughs> Brooklyn nah, too. Okay. and it's a collection of of poetry for kids. I'm a black girl. I'm from Brooklyn. The title of the book is is Brooklyn. It's an urban book. There were only blacks in my neighborhood, but. Do I want every child in America to be literate? Yes. I want every child to pick up that book. I want the revenue. I want that. And I want all kids to be educated, but inclusive of blacks. And I'm targeting blacks. I'm making sure they're in every black bookstore. But my book is filled with black children, images of illustrations of black kids. I have Indian. I have Asian. And I have a few sprinkled little white boys and little white girls. But my cover has a black girl with an afro. I have a black boy. You know, I have dark, you know, kids in the book to represent people of color. It is for them, but it is also for everyone because I have to be inclusive. So that's that's marketing 101. And, but it's also my concern that all children, you know, get to be exposed to reading and rhyming and, fi- and having fun with words. So... Um, that's just marketing. And so I don't, I think I don't the same feel way. like anybody should be offended by that.
0: So, the, like, the same way that I think that we'd be willing to give you the benefit of the doubt, that's where I, I ask, like, why didn't we give this company who clearly, yeah. you know, Liberia. My man is African. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a black-owned business for all intents and purposes. That should
1: be enough, right?
0: Right. That we're giving them the benefit of the doubt. Like, hey, I know what you're doing. There were still black women in the, um, in the actual were, ad. Were, yeah. We'll give you the benefit of the doubt. You know, we understand we want this to be us, but we, we get why you have to do that because you're just trying to have a bigger product. Mm -hmm. Ultimately. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's a good way to segue into just, uh, how we view businesses, um, in the black community, uh, within the Jewish community. Uh, I forgot the amount of times that they say that currency tends to circulate and go through it before it leaves. It's not the same with us. Right. So, Let's say um you want to go to the dentist, you happen to know a black guy. Uh you go the first time the service was good, the second time it wasn't good. Uh why is it that we now have to go to the quote unquote and I'm speaking to my mother's generation because yeah. I feel like we're a little better than this, mm-hmm. but my mother's generation would be very much like, oh, "I'm going to the white guy now. The black guy messed it up. There's his chance. I'm done." Like
1: it's really unfortunate. I I hate to, to laugh at it. Um, I'm guilty of, of having that mindset. And today is a really, it's a real, this is a real life example, people. I went to the orthodontist today because I'm getting braces. And I was referred to this office. I dro- drove all the way to Ellicott City outside of my county. I left Montgomery County, went all the way to Howard County to this you know this place that got raving reviews and um, they were not black um, but they were not all white it was Jewish Italian um, and Indian okay so it was a mix some people of color were there not predominantly white but it was predominantly white okay Um, And I learned some things that I didn't know uh, in my x-rays of my teeth that were very harmful to me. And I said, well, my dentist, who also does x-rays, and I actually just had my x-rays done about four months ago, never suggested that I needed to extract my other two wisdom teeth, right? And she said, no, this is, like, serious. We need to send you to oral surgery. You need to have these extracted. Something isn't looking right. looks cystic. And I'm like, oh, my God, cyst in my mouth. You know, I'm not going to die. You know, so this was nerve-wracking to me. My dentist has been my dentist for the past 11 years. And he, it's, he's a black dentist. It's an entire black staff. They're Haitian also they're in Montgomery County. I will not say their name, but I specifically sought them out because i was i am i'm not gonna say I was I am the type of person that will try us first. I try us first, <laughs> and i I went through every you know network participate participator of my uh, insurance plan to find a black dentist found them been with them for 11 years, and here I learn the first time I meet this this person, you know, all these years, I, the last time I had my other two was in teeth pulled out, was about 17 years ago. I didn't know that this needed to be done. I said, so I'll ask years? you
0: like, this real quick, and even though know this happened today, right? Um,
1: so I'm not going back there.
0: <laughs> before you even say that, did you get a second opinion? And I mean, like, if well, this just happened today... I feel like
1: that they were my second opinion, because if for 11 years I've been going to this black dentist who also went to to school and he's educated like like everyone else.
0: I'm just afraid that- Why
1: didn't he ever suggest, oh my God, Miss St. Julian, did you know this is, you, your teeth are impacted? You need to get these removed.
0: The only thing that I fear is that everybody is quick to to cut on you in terms of like mm-hmm. high cost dental things. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying that that's your situation and well, I prayed it. I prayed that the situation works whatever's <laughs> best for you. You know what I'm saying? But I also think that when it comes to stuff like, yeah. if I can make a little extra money, like I'm not saying that this isn't a problem, I don't mind. And yeah. it might have been that the doctor that or the dentist that you previously had was just like, all right, I see it. It's not that bad. Like, <laughs> right? So we don't I'm have to. Get a yeah, slip you know what I'm saying? Like, I'll just let her rock, mm-hmm. and if it becomes worse, then we'll deal with it then. But if it's not too bad, I don't necessarily want to take advantage of you because he probably did say like, "Yo, this is my Haitian sister. Right. I'm not trying to take her for all her money. I know I'm gonna get some of it. Right. She's coming. To me, she's been to me for 11 years."
1: Well, I would hope that he would make sure that my teeth were 100 percent healthy. Agreed. So what I am going to do is get a second opinion, but I'm also going to bring that news back to him. Yeah, I'd ask he him. Haven't about left it. him. I'm going back for my routine cleaning next week. Yeah, that's. And him I'm going to bring it to his attention and say, "Did you know?" And what do you think? and see what happens. But to answer your, your the totality of your question, I um I I understand the comparison that's made when it comes to black business. I'm for cooperative economics, you know, investing in ourselves, growing ourselves, but we have to also educate ourselves on investing. We make money very quickly but we spend it just as quickly. And I think that's the, the the cause for the downfall of some of our businesses not thriving and not surviving. And, um, again, putting my MBA hat on, you know, you, you have to have a right, the right network in place. You have to have a business plan. You have to have structure. You need to be knowledgeable about economics. You can't just start a business with, you know, and, and I'm not saying any, any black uh, businesses have started up without any, um, you know, uh, proper understanding and preparation I'm not going to down that Why we don't flourish or why We don't survive I really don't Know the answer to that
0: So I, I, I can't say why we don't flourish Or like survive yeah. but I can Speak specifically just based on like the Example you gave right mm-hmm. Somebody who you've been going to 11 years He's supposed to have some semblance Of um confidence that You have in him because you wouldn't have gone as long mm-hmm. The minute that somebody else gives You an opinion that's outside of his you're ready to be done like yo i'm out and i'm not judging because like if i was in your position i'm like yo this is my health like i'm not really playing those games Mm -hmm. but there's no sense of like you know what okay let me think about this for a second we need to handle this situation and i and i do agree with you that the the first thing that i would do when i go back since you're going next week i would talk to him and say like hey this is what i was told i was looking to get braces this is what my ortho told me what's up if that times. was the cat like if this is the case and what their findings were were actually accurate why haven't you told me at least you should have said like hey here's a situation that we see we don't think that it's something that you should operate on and so don't worry about it but i'm going to make you aware that this is also like you know overall health of stuff yeah if he would have done that and this is to go to his his fault like i'm not going to credit him on everything he'd have done that you would have already known the deal and you wouldn't have felt bad you wouldn't right. have been worried
1: And that's the feeling. I wanted to be able to feel confident. As I sat in this new office today, That was all clean and nice and smelling good and everything was digital and very progressive with their technology. I wanted to say, well, I'm aware of that. Like, I felt like I should have known what was going on with my own teeth to be like, oh, I'm aware of that. My dentist, Dr. X, says that I'm fine, I'm not in any harm. Or, you know what, it was brought to my attention and I chose to ignore it. But I couldn't blame anyone but him at this point because he's I've been in his care. And so it's just really unfortunate. And I'm like, dang, brother, why? <laughs> you know, so I'm going go to go back and him that's what I'm going to so be bad. like. I want to keep coming to you. I want to invest in you. I want the dollars to stay in our community. So, you know, give me. I'm going to give him a chance to correct it but how many chances do we get,
0: you know no nah, you don't i mean I don't i'll give you one yeah. if i'm being real like you got one chance to generally right. make a mistake and, some may say and I should... it depends on how bad the mistake mm-hmm. is and if i'll give you a chance to make another yeah. one but if it's something minor i don't yeah. care but and that's honestly, a big deal
1: i didn't seek out a non black ortho, it just happened to be this was a great place. They sure. got great reviews. I, I stopped looking to find out who they were. Like I know folks who would actually pick up the phone and try to find out, is this person African American? Okay, I'm not going to the office and they'll keep shopping. that's fair and but I was I mean, they had everybody there, like I said, Indian, Italian, and white. And so I don't know who's getting the money at the end of the day, but i w- I wouldn't you know, I could look for another black dentist and try giving that a chance. but you know, I don't know that I wanna do that anymore with, with seeking out specifically our race. I just wish that we would dominate business, you know, just the market in general more so that when we do make choices, the probability of us landing with another African American would be higher. Sure. That's what I do wish. Right now we we are still the minority um when it comes to just anything. You roll the dice you're going to most likely get a non-black, you know, with whatever it is that you're doing. And it, honestly, but it'll I'm always waiting be like for that. for the day that we would just, you know, soar and that there will be so much of us in every area, and aspect of life, you know, education, business, school, whatever market, that, we, that we're out there everywhere.
0: If I'm, if I'm being real, mm. uh, that'll probably be black women. Mm. Um, I can't say confidently that, you know, uh, and I'm being a man, like that we're going to keep up with you. If you just look at the education rates, the way that things are trending, black women are doing significantly better in terms of education than men. So, I mean, like, the men, we tend to progress because we're men. So the the one guys, the guys that do, do well tend to do really well. But it's women who are on the ball right now. I also don't know if, like, just based on the demographics, again, within the country, we're, you know, we're no longer the biggest majority minority. Uh, so I think that we're going to be in a place where We're probably going to see less of us. It's going to be almost like the effect like the African-Americans have had on baseball. Uh, Jackie Robinson let us in. Everybody was playing baseball. Nobody played other sports, mostly because like, you know, the NBA wasn't really overly black yet. Mm -hmm. The NFL wasn't really that way. So everyone played baseball. Mm -hmm. But as we've noticed um, over the last 20 years or so, black people are playing baseball less. Uh, there's a higher introduction of Hispanics. Mm. Um, and they've always been really good at baseball, but you know, mm-hmm. even now it's like, mm-hmm. it's mostly not a black sport anymore. It's, you know, they're actual major league teams that don't have a black player anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming that that's, what's going to be, uh, how a lot of industries and businesses are as well. Just, just based on the numbers and that sucks, but
1: it's horrible. I mean, we had the Negro league, you know, right. It's, it's just horrible. Right. We have to do something about that. I don't know what that is.
0: Uh, that's a, ho- now that's something for a whole other podcast right. on what we do about that. <laughs> it um, has
1: to change. We have to become the measure, you know, we have to be beyond the bar. That's something that I preach a lot to my young, uh, young girls. When I go on and mentor and the young boys that we go beyond the bar you know the sky is not a limit that's the starting line that's how high we need to begin from jump
0: so i'm a, i will 100% agree with that um and that brings me into something else that i was thinking uh in terms of things that are divisive between black americans um it seems like there's a a stigma against being uh, raised and having something so let's say that your family does well versus your family not doing well. Um, is that more kind of like, I'm jealous that you got to, you know, experience these things, or is it more the hood versus like the suburbs, you know, like, and I won't even just say hood, but like, if you live in an urban environment, urban people generally want to live the life of the suburban people. But on the flip side, the suburban people want to live the life of the urban kids. Like I grew up in the, I kind of grew up in both. So I saw like kids from the suburbs. Acting like they didn't have any sense. The parents are making really good money and yet they're acting like knuckleheads. It's like you don't live in the projects, mm-hmm. but you certainly are trying to attain or like aspire to a certain lifestyle and it literally doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, How do we move like past that or do better so that that's not something that, again, divides us?
1: Well, the first thing we should do is eradicate this understanding of having and not having Um, meaning uh, better or worse. So no matter how little or what amount you have, you should still preserve and take care of whatever it is that you have like it's gold. I agree. Whether it's gold or not gold. And that's the problem. And no one should ever have this desire to want what somebody else has because, number one, we don't know how they've come about having it, how they've acquired it or attained it. And I just think that this is just something that comes from um, morality. It comes from values, family values. It's, it's an education that takes place in the home upbringing of an individual. So I come from a very crime-stricken, uh, high, um, uh, high level of drug activity, prostitution, violence. Um, the neighborhood that I grew up in, it wasn't safe. And um, my parents are foreigners from Haiti. They didn't speak the language when they got here in the 1970s. So that was a barrier for them to survive. And I learned how to survive. And even though we lived in poor conditions, we did not act poor. And what does acting poor mean, right? Um, we, we, We valued every little bit that we had and took care of it. Um, the little furniture that we had, the little bit of groceries that we had in the fridge um we my mother made do and made a meal like it was Thanksgiving every day out of the few you know items that we had and I just' don't, we never felt like oh, we need to go either. I'm not saying that this, t- this has taken place, but the mentality of you know we we need to have what somebody else has, we're just happy with what we have, and if we want more then. I was raising it with the understanding that you have to work hard to get that. And so I think that's one earning. of the things
0: where I'll agree with you that's been kind of lost on us, mm-hmm. right? Um, I definitely grew up in a situation where I had a single parent. Um, I can't say that we all, like or not weak because it was just me and my mom, but I was taught at a very young age to value everything that I got. I'm an only child, so like if I got something, clearly it's for me. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to break anything so like I held on to stuff for a very long time like That's I'm right. pretty sure that my original uh, Nintendo, Nintendo was yeah with Super Mario Brothers <laughs> was working well into the 2000s exactly. Um I gave it to my grandfather at that point to let him play with it because he still couldn't beat me mm-hmm. but this is what we were taught where you have stuff you value it you take care of it you get more now you have more things mm-hmm. it was never uh, I guess stressed to me that Anything was, you know, just a throwaway item like mm-hmm. you literally held on and took care of everything that's right. But I can certainly see in like the neighborhoods that I grew up in where that wasn't always the case where people didn't take care of stuff
1: And that's 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 where the problem is And I'm sure because of that upbringing that you've had and that understanding and those values that were placed placing you You're able to appreciate the bigger things when they come along certainly and take care of them certainly. I mean, We had chores to do. I don't know that children still have chores. I'm not a mother yet but I do know that my kids will have chores to do. There was a day we cleaned our room, we put stuff away, we wiped things down. My
0: mom was a Nazi. You
1: don't. You just don't leave yeah. things in disarray.
0: I love and my mother to death, but she's she's the reason why I'm clean now. That's,
1: uh, that's, that just means taking care of. And right. so this this action value of taking care of things was instilled in me from my birth, and I just think it's a habit that has to be created and instilled, and that would allow us to preserve our neighborhoods, no matter if we were in, you know, Baldwin Hills, you know, or not. It doesn't, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter if we're living in a hut or if we're living on the hills. It shouldn't matter.
0: You know the crazy part of Baldwin Hills is that, like, I don't know if you've been to LA, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of right above the hood. Right. (laughs) Like, it's off of Crenshaw, like, right (laughs) above the hood. It really is. You know what I'm saying? And, and,
1: and, And, I mean... It's just, it's just, it's just sad that we, um, we should just be able to preserve, have nice things no matter what it is.
0: But I think that's indicative to that, that nice. whole thing, um, where you have so many people where I'm going to assume Baldwin Hills was like always been a nice neighborhood, mm-hmm. but like, let's say for instance, it was older people that lived there. They kind of kept things a certain way mm-hmm. as they moved out. Other people came in and didn't necessarily have the same values with the way that they treated things around it. And that's why you saw certain neighborhoods falling around it. Um, I can speak specifically. uh, My grandmother used to live in a block that basically she was one of three black families when I was born. Mm -hmm. You saw as the block got more black. It still was nice, but the way that how people were keeping their houses was changing. Like, you know, people didn't necessarily keep their yards the same way that they did before. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that had anything to do with it being a black or white issue. So I don't no, want people to confuse that.
1: race doesn't. And, and right. let me make it clear. Baldwin Hills is predominantly black, black affluent right. money, right? right? That's black money. Right. Um, but I but think that it, that's the, when it's the social economic part of it. So, so it's this like, is where the money, like, because something costs more, then, okay, I'm going to take care of it. Right. So for, for the area folks, you know, okay, Bowie, right. Mitchellville, you know, right. the upper echelons of Prince George's County and PG County has... I mean, the highest income rate and the most money. Um, For black, people, yeah. Right, right. So we do have areas that are wealthy that are predominantly black. Right. And they're very well taken care of. And then, but what my point is whether it's a wealthy neighborhood, whether you spend a lot of money on it or not, you should still take care of whatever it is that you have. And, um, you know, your neighborhood, keep it clean, um, whatever, whatever neighborhood that you live in. Regardless of race, it, it shouldn't take um, an emergence, uh, an insurgence of another race to come in for us to start cleaning up or do better. Yeah, I agree with that. Why? Um, you know, is that?
0: Last question I wanted to ask or topic I wanted to kind of touch on. Uh, biggest reason I wanted to have you here is because you, you have a myriad of things that you do. Uh, you don't necessarily fit into like the typical box in terms of like the cultural activities you do. So like, you know, you're in the various like forms of music that aren't considered traditionally black Mm -hmm. or that black people would like be into. Mm -hmm. Um, You're definitely into the arts. Mm -hmm. So because of that, why is it that we consider having, you know, a more open mind, a bad thing? And I'm not saying us because obviously like, I think the more educated you are, Mm -hmm. the more likely you are to allow people or your children to do things kind of outside of the norm. But do you think that that's one of the problems that people have in terms of being more inclusive? So it's like, I don't know anything about anything else. So I'm not, you know, you act different because you, you know, you ballet dance, for instance.
1: Absolutely. I think that is a huge problem. We do not live in a box. There is a world out there. It is called the world. (laughs) Um, There's a universe. We should explore it. We should know how to be all things to all people, because we don't just live alone. The world is not just us, and we should learn each other's cultures, each other's ways, each other's music, each other's foods, and not be so close-minded. And I just think that's what it, well, that's what uh, the definition of being cultured is. And And it doesn't just mean only knowing everything about us. It means knowing us definitely thoroughly, but also knowing everybody else. And uh, not every race does that, you know. I I can ask a lot of uh, non-blacks certain things about the black community that they would be like, oh, I never heard about that. Or be like, you know who James Brown? I never heard James Brown. You never heard James Brown? So, you know, prime example, I mean, people who, who you would think everybody, no matter black, white, yellow, purple, or green, um, and when you drop a name, you would think everybody would know who he is, w. B. Du Bois. So I was reading Souls of Black Folk the day after the presidential election. You know, we we learned who, who won. And I'm riding the elevator at work, and I'm picking up an interviewee who was coming in to interview for a job. And I'm picking her up, and I'm riding the elevator. I have this book in my hand. This is the day after we learned that Trump has won. She goes, she's white, and she says, who's, uh, what are you reading? I said, oh, Souls of Black Folk. Um, By W. B. Du Bois. She said, "Who is that?" I said, "Who is that?" (laughs) And she's white. But then I said, "Leslie, should I expect her to have known who she is if she named a a white scholar? Would I know him?" Probably yes, yes, because that's who we're forced to learn, right?
0: Well, not even again. I I went to like, and I
1: was stunned. And I said, "Why?" First of all, he's a scholar, a writer, an author, an educator. I said. But second of all, he's the first African-American to get his Ph.D. from Harvard University.
0: I'm going to ask you this about high school or just school. Uh, I know you went to Catholic school. Mm-hmm, all did, my life. Did you guys have Black History Month in Catholic school? Like, did you learn about W.E.B. E. No. Du Bois in school or did you learn about it outside of school? I
1: learned, well, I learned at home. Okay. So. And then I learned in school when I took I, but I had to choose African American Studies classes at, at, in college. I chose those. I did not learn it in high school.
0: All right, so I'll keep it real. I knew of Du Bois from high school, or I believe middle school. Okay. Um, that was one of those things that, like, there was a teacher that thought it was very specific to go through that stuff. Like, I learned the Langston Hughes. Uh, I want to say in third grade. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So, like,
1: what was it? A predominantly black
0: school? No, it was it was mixed
1: was so were your teachers did they look like you all growing up some
0: of them did yes some of the and I want to say I cannot remember the woman's name uh, but she was a black teacher who taught us Langston Hughes so I certainly think that the diversity of having somebody else in there Mm -hmm. is cool but that's where I'm going where regardless of where you are in the spectrum you typically have somebody somewhere that takes a you know a certain stance like hey we want to expand your mind to include things that you don't necessarily hear. Mm-hmm. Yes, as a black person, everybody knows who George, you know, George Carver, George Washington Carver, Carver. is. Mm-hmm. You're going to learn about the peanut. Right. I want to learn about stuff that's going to be outside of that, that's going to, you know, kind of expand your mind. Of course. And so.
1: I think it's important. It is. And and so my parents liked the rules of Catholic school, which is why I was sent there, the strict, rigid rules. But. They knew I wasn't going to get education on Du Bois or King or X or Garvey um, or Duvalier, Papa Doc, Dessaline. These are the founders of, you know, of, of Haiti, Haiti right. and the, the, the revolutionaries of Haiti. So they taught us black history in the house. And literally Saturday morning, I had to regurgitate to my mother what happened on January 1st, 1804. And this is the first black independent nation was born, you know, in Haiti. She asked me, okay, who was, um, who was Dr. King? What was his fight about? You know, I had to tell her everything about his march, his speeches, and, and why he was doing what he, what he was doing. She would ask me about X. Okay, remember what I said? Now, what's the difference between Doc, um, Malcolm X and Dr. King? Why, you know, and uh, do they get along? You know, so I learned a lot about that. She got the Encyclopedia Britannica, the whole set, so we don't go through it. So we learned, and we always knew that we were black. We would, she would never let us go out into the world not understanding that we were black children. So black education was definitely taught in the home, but um, she to prepare us for the world, and to really make us understand that we that we were black, she wanted us to know everybody else's culture so that we can survive in this world that wasn't all black. In this world that is dominated by everybody else but us. And see,
0: that's what the point that I was getting and that's to. The
1: fear she had. So to for it was a safety measure. So I feel like it's a secret weapon for us when we do know their shit and our shit. I'm sorry if I'm cursing. No, no, no. So I fine. think it's it's a secret weapon. And it stuns people. I remember sitting in my office, I think it was my first year in government, federal government work after graduating college, and I was playing some um, some Bach, some classical music, okay, from my little radio on my computer desk. And the little old white lady who sat next to me to shed my cubicle, oh, you know about that music? I said yes, I, I know classical. Oh, okay. And she was like, "Like, I'm not supposed to know that. And she goes, well, "Did you play an instrument? I said, I play the piano. And I just kept it real brief. I didn't want to get into it because I knew where she was going with it. And it was offending me.
0: But let's be, if I'm going to well, now, I'm just be. a secret weapon So me. I'm going to just be completely honest. Is that the woman's fault or is that the fault of the way that the media portrays us? And to be fair, how a lot of people are acting. Um, you get a certain stereotype if like more than one person acts a certain way. Like blacks tend to make money in a few different ways, mm-hmm. sports and entertainment. Mm-hmm. So if we're looking at people like that, it's like, okay, so you must be a rapper. So we think that every black person likes like rap or R and B. We know that that's not true, mm-hmm. but that's what we, you know, tend to focus on. Right. And that's why, like, I feel bad a lot of times for people, but just because they don't know, mm-hmm. um, I've, you know, I've, I've myself have been looked at differently. Like I remember if you rewind the clock, this was 2001 when everybody was wearing fitteds down to their nose, (laughs) you had on Sean John, something that was mad big. People would stereotype me and look at me a certain way until I opened my mouth. Right. The minute that I said something and that would disarm everything. But prior to that, you're just another nigga on the street. Mm
1: -hmm. I blame the individual and I think it is up to you to seek out information Black, white, whoever you are out there listening, you need to educate yourself. And and that's my other campaign, to be literate. Not just to learn how to read and write, but to really be in tune with people and their differences and their upbringings and their cultures. That's what true literacy means. It's not just being able to open up a book and read the words. Can you read the words? Can you interpret the words? Do you understand what they mean? And then do you understand from whence it comes from? Do you understand the people, their, their culture, that why they have this mentality? You have to know the totality of a person so that you can articulate yourself to be able to position yourself to make a judgment call, to make an opinion so I fault that woman for her assuming that I would not be cultured enough to know about Bach or Brahms or Beethoven. And that's her fault. She just thought I was this little black girl from Brooklyn, and that was it. And so when I told her, I later then I entertained her because then I thought it was fun. I said, yeah, I've been classically trained, and I do know all forms of classical music. And so she was astounded. All of a sudden, this woman who never said good morning, good afternoon, goodbye, or boo, was now talking to me every morning.
0: Well, it's because y'all had a common factor, something that y'all could connect with. I
1: still had other rich things. She doesn't. She didn't know everything else about me that was so very black. But she was so excited about the so very white things that I knew. And so then I started to turn on Biggie and Pac and things like that. <laughs> so, now I'm now gonna say I'm you were like ignorant. acting like a nigga. I was yeah. Being real ignorant. Yeah, you went but, that way. But that's the thing that is. It's. It's terrible. That we should know everybody's. Um, background, and we should know their cultures. And I just think it's—it just makes you more powerful. The more knowledge you have, that's—that's that's the cliche statement. But knowledge is power. You know use the reason it.
0: why I think what that we should honestly know more cultures than just our own.
1: Yes.
0: We don't really know what our culture is. It's—it's
1: mm, it's been you know what I'm lost, saying. Lost. It's been so, redefined, right, uh,
0: Unless you've taken like a DNA test from Ancestry.com. Right. Who are we? Right. <laughs> it's very clear to me that you don't know where you generally came from mm-hmm. or like most of your ancestors. Mm-hmm. And because of that, like we've lost so much of our, our history that it's important of us to just kind of know everything now. And like the history that we're building it on is. just because powerful, it gives us context. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. It's a powerful attribute. It's a wise um, move. <laughs> if we're talking chess. That's the move you want to make know it all. So you can never not measure up. I feel very confident in my abilities and my knowledge and my education and my training and just who I am as a person that I can walk into a room and get what I want. And if I don't get it, then I'm going to find out what I need so that I can get it and I'll come back. And believe me, you'll see me again until I get it. That's if I want something that bad. But um, I, I definitely believe in in, in educating yourself, yourselves um, into knowing people's cultures, knowing and understanding why people um, are the way they are, why they think the way they think. And I'm not saying, you know, go back and study behavioral and social sciences. I'm not saying you need to read textbooks. I'm just saying spend time with people. Ask questions. Get to know, don't pass judgment. And um, for, for for those who are non-black listening to this, learn us, you know. Don't pass judgment as well. Don't believe the media. I mean, who who doesn't know that by now, that you can't believe... What's being aired? That's what editing is about. That's what sound bites are. You know, you can't use that as your only source.
0: Don't judge a book by its cover.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) You have to have other sources. Just like you asked me, did I get a second opinion? It's the same way with with meeting people and understanding cultures, understanding race, and and, and, uh, fostering diversity, is that you have to be able... To um, expand your knowledge and your education. Learn everything.
0: So I'm going to circle back with all of this um, so we can try to wrap this up. I want to say that we have to find a way within our community to kind of expand um, our knowledge base just within ourselves. Uh, that if people are somewhat different and by different, let's you speak properly, mm-hmm. you're doing well, None of those things equate to not being black. Even if you don't want to have a black wife, if you if you think that your wife is the prettiest woman walking and she's whatever, that doesn't mean that you're less black because you've done that. Right. I despise, right. and I mean despise, a lot of the things that Ben Carson says. Mm. I still think that Ben Carson is a black man.
1: Ooh, boy. You trying to wrap this up?
0: <laughs> I am, but I'm gonna keep it real. Like I still think he's a black man. He quit yes. like yes. his wife and don't take this wrong, she's very similar to you. She has a classically trained musical background. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we we tend to look at them in a very different light and judge them and, you know, we're like, they're corny, they're these things that <laughs> makes them less black, but that's not true. Like, that's not fair to them. Like, they're uh, clearly black, you know what I'm saying? They are. He's yeah. a brilliant surgeon. I don't have to agree with his politics, Absolutely. but he's still a black man. Yeah, he is. Um, I want us as a people to kind of come together to say that, we don't have to always agree on everything, but we can certainly always have, like, a discourse and a dialogue about it. That dialogue that you have that are, you know, against points that somebody else might, might make, they open your mind to various things. Like, I don't know everything. Definitely. You have certainly opened my eyes with certain things that have made me see things, other, the, mm. like, in another way. Mm-hmm. Like, I was ready to crucify the shade, um the women from black Twitter for like the whole Mm -hmm. Shea moisturizer thing. Mm -hmm. I thought it was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Now I kind of get it. Mm -hmm. So if I'm not willing to have that conversation with somebody that knows something different than I am, how can I, you know, just just being fair, how can I get any better? How do I know anything?
1: Absolutely. You've made a your sharp point right now. You can end this because what you're doing now with this, having dialogue is the exact point. And it's that's what needs to continue happening. We need to keep talking about it. We need to not just keep talking to each other, but talking to just in general, having this discussion, asking the questions, getting into the minds of people. You're doing it and that's what has to keep going.
0: I'd like to hope so. Um Leslie, please give a plug Uh, Tell the audience a little bit about yourself We kind of skipped this at the beginning But I think it's important to kind of put you on Because clearly you've been doing a lot for me Just with this episode
1: Well, thank you, Rel, again, once again For having me on the show Um, My full name is Leslie St. Julian You can follow me on Instagram At L-E-S-L-I-E-S-A-I-N-T-J-U-L-I-E-N I I know that's a mouthful It is Leslie St. Julian I'm an author I'm a poet I'm an actress, I'm a child of God, I'm from Brooklyn, I'm Haitian, I went to the University of Maryland. Terp, stand up. I'm a up. woman, a woman, a woman, a woman, <laughs> and, um, and I love kids, and so find out about me. Um, I'm, I'm someone who is passionate about life, passionate about dreaming, and passionate about what is right. So, again, I'm Leslie St. Julian. My website is www.leslesleslesaintjulian.com. My children's book page is at Brooklyn Stew. I have a a collection of rhythmic poetry for kids and parents to read together so we can foster bonding, so parents and children can spend more time with each other so we can nurture and raise a new generation of kids that are healthy-minded. Um, so that's who I am. Again, that's at, at Brooklyn Stew at Leslie St. Julian. Facebook is www.facebook.com forward slash Leslie St. Julian.
0: Leslie, thank you. Uh, this has been another episode of the Rail World. You guys know where to find me. I am at the iTunes Store. I am on SoundCloud. I am on TuneIn. I am at Stitcher Radio. Please feel free to send me your questions and comments to theRailWorld at gmail.com. I've been it's been great having you and we'll see you guys next Wednesday